What is going on you guys and welcome back to another episode of Stock Battles. This is a series where myself and my dad each pick a stock. We are focusing in on the Canadian market today and you guys, the viewers, can let us know which one you prefer. Dad, I think we dive straight into this because we got some football to watch in a couple <laughs> hours an hour and a half so we don't have much time to waste why don't we just no time for bachelor let's just get straight down to business today brandon <laughs> no messing around well hey do you want to kick it off today or do you want me to go first um i will kick it off uh with the company that i've selected so i'll just go straight into it the company uh, as brandon mentioned we're doing two canadian companies today and my company that i want to focus on uh for this battle is the company called thompson reuters corporation and the ticker is tri it trades on the uh, toronto stock exchange also down south of the border it is a uh, uh roughly the 12th largest canadian company a 65 billion dollar market cap and you know we all think about the big banks and the big insurance companies when we talk about canadian companies but this is a, a legitimate uh contender for the one of those largest companies now a bit of history on the company it was founded back in 1934 by roy thompson and um, the company as in its current form actually goes back even earlier than that because in 19 or sorry in 1851 uh the company reuters was founded uh, and it became a publicly traded company as far back as 1865. Little bit of fun fact before we go into the numbers here. Uh, in 1865, Reuters was the first company that actually reported on the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And so when we think about history, if you can think back to you know, honest day, back in the days, this company actually has ties to his assassination. Uh, in 2008, uh, uh, Thompson bought Reuters and they, they merged to form the current iteration of the company called Thompson's Reuters. Uh, you've pretty much everybody has been exposed to their services and mostly probably on the news side. So if you're watching the news, you're going to see a picture, you know, Reuters, uh, or you're going to see an article about Reuters. And we're going to get into a little bit more detail of the volume that they do in short in a short little bit here. But they have essentially five business segments that they operate in. They're legal. They have a corporates division. They have tax and accounting, Reuters news and then global print. And I just want to go into a little bit of each of those now. So first of all, in the legal professional segment, essentially what they do is they gather information and then they provide that uh, to law firms around the world, big and small. About 96% of the American law top 100 firms use Thomson Reuters for uh, the services that they get, for the information stream. 91% uh, they're sold on a prescription basis and 91% uh, retention rate on that. So you're always going to see that constant cash flow that we'll look at in a few minutes uh, as well. All, every one of the global 100 firms uh, in the space are Thomson Reuters customers. Uh, they have the same information. Basically in all, uh, in all categories here, they gather information, they put it into a digestible format and keep the various uh, businesses that they deal with um, uh, up to speed and the corporates division. And so these are the multi, the, the large multinational corporations. Uh, again, they have um, a 90% retention rate on their renewals. They are the number one provider of corporate legal and corporate tax solutions in the US. Um, all of the Fortune 100 firms are Thomson Reuters customers as well. And certainly if you uh, work for a big company, you will have seen at some point, and I remember through my, through my financial career, seeing the Thomson Reuters feeds all the time, third of the big three segments that they have are tax and accounting professionals and this is the division that is not the seven largest accounting firms in the u.s so it's 
all of the little standalone independent offices that many of us deal with, they are the number one provider of US tax market uh, in the entire segment. Again, very attractive, 90% retention, and all of the top 100 US CPA firms are Thomson Reuters customers. Now we move into their fourth division, which is something that we're more familiar with, which is the Reuters News. And they are the world's largest international multimedia news provider uh, with roughly 2 million stories that they produce every year, um, about 850,000 or so photos and pictures that you will see on, on all different types of websites. And they have 2,500 journalists stationed around the world. So this goes right back to the original, uh, the Reuters founding. They were they were uh, uh, designed to, to do this and they just grown over all those years back from the 1850s. Uh, the last division that they operate in is called Global Print. And this is the least of the exciting uh, divisions or segments that they operate in. And in fact, uh, I would say that the day will come probably before too long where they'll divest of this division. It was started back in 1872 as a storefront book. and. Earlier in my career, I remember um, getting a monthly book that updated in the financial world. And I know they provided um, all kinds of, of printed documentation, particular to accountants uh, and to the, the legal firm. But of course, you know, that's really a dying industry right now where people are relying more and more for sort of um, instantaneous online uh, dissemination of information. So I see that this this area will be, you know, slow. Well, we'll see in a minute. It is slowly declining. And at some point, I think it'll just, it'll go the way of the dodo bird. Uh, but as you can see, uh, the company is very, very well diversified. Um, of those uh, five segments, three of them are the key ones. And those are corporate tax accounting um, and the legal uh, divisions. And they account, as we'll see in the next chart here, of about 79, almost 80% of the revenues. So legal being the, the largest with 42% of the revenues, uh, corporate 23%, and then the tax and accounting professionals with 14. The global print still does provide our 10% you know, roughly of their revenues. And then of course, Reuters News with about 11%. If we look at that by region, because they do operate in the US, uh, you know, Canada, South America, the, uh, you know, the other Americas, as they call them. They operate in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, and also in the Asia Pacific. So that global reach is certainly prominent there. But we'll see in every one of those markets, the, the US business uh, dominates, forms the, the by far and away the bulk of, of their revenues. That's sort of a summary of what the company actually does and where they operate. When it comes to why I'm looking at uh, recommending this or uh, using this as my stock to pick uh, for this stock battle, it's partly because of the history of the company, but also in March of 2021, so about a year ago, they implemented what they call their change program. And this is really uh, the transition that they're planning on making uh, from old school into new school. And they're really focused on the growth drivers. And if we look at the table they put out here, they've looked at three broad areas of growth opportunities. And in the first section, I mean, I highlighted that they're focused on a shift to virtual working environments and dispersed teams. And this is something that is undeniable even before we had the recent, you know, the pandemic that we're going through, this was an obvious trend, of course, that has just been emphasized by what we've been going through now. Um, and the accelerating demand for real time, 24 seven digital, always on and actionable information. This is one of the areas that they are focused on retooling, if you will, and really taking advantage of this shift. I really like that part of the company. And item number three on their list here 
is the advent the positions beyond what they're doing right now so they're looking at you know direct and indirect tax and auditing legal how-to and work uh, workflow software and then risk fraud and compliance prevention uh, detection and investigation and this is an area that certainly in recent times has become more and more of an issue with things like you know protecting your infrastructures um, as far as you know malware and the um, what do they call those things where you uh, they hack into your system brand help me out here they hack into your system they ran somewhere all those types of things so they, they Thomson Reuters has the infrastructure already they reach all of these entities so it's kind of a natural transition for them to be able to take that and just uh, expand upon it and, and go into this area as well so there's a real growth opportunity when you look at it there with their change program uh, the areas of focus so this was launched about a year ago and it's about a three-year program so if we look at their focused areas down the left hand you know the orangish columns uh, these are things that all large companies are going to do reimagining the customer experience optimizing their products and portfolio simplifying operations and leveraging their existing technologies we just talked about that and then creating an inclusive culture of world-class talent and uh, on the right hand side they go into a little bit more detail as to what the end result they would be expecting uh, by 2023. Um, I like the focus that this company has played on and so many large companies are, are having to make that transition and they're already there. I mean they, for years they've um, and say I remember 20 years ago when it was more paper based and now it's pretty much all electronic feed. I want to go into some of the numbers, um, a little bit deeper dive into the company here. And I want to start with somewhere I don't normally start, and that is just a target price. And I, target price is interesting for me. I, I pretty much always look at it when I'm looking at either buying or selling a company. And But it's just one of those pieces. But if we look at it today, the company's trading at about $133 Canadian. Um, the average consensus target price out there right now is $151. So that's about a, almost a 14% upside if you look specifically um, at that metric so that's a good starting point but let's look a little bit more uh, if we look over the last year the, the company has done you know relatively well it's up about 30 percent uh, you can see by this chart here that it you know had a good run up until late uh, of la late part of last year but it's taken a bit of a tumble recently as the markets have been pretty volatile pretty shaky you'll see the company's come down around 14 and a half percent so i always like looking at companies that have retraced in price and then looking at it, is there, is there something wrong with the company or is this just part of the normal gyrations that the markets go through and there may be an opportunity here? I see more of that. When I, when I take what I know about the company, how they operate, and then I'm going to look at three specific technical indicators that might help us form a little, diff, uh, a little more full uh, picture here. Let's look first of all simply at a 200-day simple moving average. And you will see uh, just very recently the, the share price dipped below that average and that can often be a sign that um, you know maybe it's due for a turn or you know it doesn't necessarily mean that it could continue to drop one of the indicators when I pair that up with the relative strength indicator uh, we can see here that you know, it's currently, currently trading at a level of uh, 16 and a half I mean that is an extremely low RSI for a company you know the nature uh, of Thomson Reuters um, anything below that sort of red dotted line of 30 is considered to be an oversold territory so this has dipped far below that with the recent market um, drop and so yeah maybe it's time that uh, you know that, that could be showing us a sign that time to buy something there 
Uh, lastly, I want to look uh, at a chart which shows the, the Bollinger Bands. And for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with what Bollinger Bands are or how they, they work, they essentially show you a channel um, and they measure the standard deviation above and below that simple moving average that we just looked at. So it, it shows price on a relative basis. And what I notice here is the green line is the upper edge of that band and the red is the bottom. And when you see those lines diverging, when you see them widening, that typically could be a sign that uh, the trend is about to change. You're seeing an increased volatility. That's what that represents, you know, from that mean. And uh, so when I look at that and I see how close to the bottom of that, the, through the bottom band, Thompson is currently trading at, um, again, I, I look at that as a possible um, indicator that the, you know, there may be a term coming up here soon. So when I look at the simple moving average, the dip below that, when I look at the RSI with that very you know, unusually low number, and then I look at the Bollinger Bands, putting those together um, from a quick technical analysis, uh, it looks like there may be some, some opportunities that are showing themselves right there as well. But always, those are just uh, signals. So let's look at what their earnings are because companies have to make money if we want to invest in them. Uh, just to look over the last five years, their earnings have uh, been growing on a pretty consistent basis, around $2 billion Canadian uh, last 12 months. Gross profit margin is something I did want to look at here, uh, currently around 34, 35% gross profit margin. Now, when I compare that to the industry, they, it, it's a really strong number. Uh, if we just look at the sector median in virtually every one of these profitability metrics, uh, Thomson Reuters is uh, trading uh, above uh, you know, their, their peers are stronger than their peers. So um, that uh, gives me a lot of comfort from an earnings perspective. When we look at the most recent uh, reports, now they are due to report very soon, I think in a couple of weeks. So we don't have Q4 uh, 2021 yet, but the Q3 2021, when we look at those numbers, uh, looking first at those big three uh, sections, the legal, the corporates, and the tax and accounting. If we look at the adjusted EBITDA, in all cases, on a quarterly basis, up uh, you know nicely, 0.6% or up up 6% in the legal, uh, up nine in corporates, and up four in the tax and accounting. On the nine-month numbers, uh, we even see stronger growth: 13%, 15%, and 18% growth, respectively. And I will just take a moment and comment on the fact that a lot of companies, when you're looking at comps today. Um, coming out of the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of gyrations and fluctuations going there. Um, so it's easy to show some pretty attractive numbers right now because you're you're comping against um, you know pretty weak numbers going back uh, a year. But these numbers, I mean, this company wasn't wasn't negatively affected dramatically by uh, by the by the pandemic. In fact, it's kind of suited to provide to to be strong under uh, the pandemic times. So uh, I I don't think these are artificial numbers. I don't think these are numbers that we can just re disregard as well. We're comparing to what I think these are legitimate comps. So I take comfort with that. If we look at the other two segments, uh, we'll see the news section uh, on a nine month basis up thirty uh, percent. Uh, there now the one trouble point, as I mentioned earlier, is the global print where we see uh, a minus 18 percent um, comp on a quarterly basis and minus nine on the nine month basis. So um, this is an area of all uh, of the five segments that I think uh, is cause for concern. As I mentioned earlier, it does represent around 10% of the revenues. So it's not like a huge piece of the puzzle, but they definitely have to execute and manage that uh, properly uh, to, you know, to, have, uh, to avoid any major negative uh, impact. If we look at the company from a cash flow basis, they do have good, strong, consistent cash flow as they have had for a number of years. And these are, we're looking at US billion dollar cash flows here. Uh, from a dividend perspective, 
Uh, company pays a $2 dividend. It's not a screaming, this is not a huge dividend play. Uh, the current yield is roughly 1.5%, which seems low. Um, although when you look at the space, um, you know, you're looking there right sort of in the ballpark there where you're expecting in that one and a half percent range. So, you know, if you're looking for high yields, this is not the company uh, that you're going to be buying, but it does provide that um, consistent uh, yield. The payout ratio is around 42, 43 percent right now on a trailing 12 month basis. Uh, so I'm comfortable with that. And also, if you look at the history of them paying, uh, you know, they're now 28 consecutive years of annual dividend increases. And importantly, notably in 2021, uh, they did raise their dividend uh, about 7%. And, you know, we always like this concept of raising dividends, even if they're a smaller dividend. But if you become a long-term holder, even those smaller, uh, you know, a 7% raise every year is not too bad. So it'll it'll compound as time goes by. Um, looking forward, uh, this plan I just touched on earlier, they do have a very ambitious uh, three-year plan, these three-year targets. Again, they're just transforming the company into this almost fully, um, you know, digital uh, online and 24-7 company. So uh, we'll look here at some of the targets. They've identified uh, seven growth verticals that they're planning on. I'm not going to go into these in details, but this chart will show where those are. If you work in the legal sector, if you work in tax and accounting, you're going to be familiar with these brands as they are so ubiquitous out there. From a guidance perspective, 2021 through 2023, uh, across you know metrics such as organic growth, um, uh, adjusted EBITDA, free cash flow. Again, looking at good growth along those lines there in those seg segments. Uh, this is guidance. These aren't numbers that are in the books, but you're always looking you know forward to see where they're going. So as long as they uh, execute their plans, uh, those numbers look attractive to me. Uh, from a debt perspective, I'm comfortable with that. They have uh, no immediate debt maturing. You'll see on a on a table I'll throw up here, uh, they do have a strong capital, um, they're in a strong capital position, I guess you would say. They have about uh, 3.7, 3.8 as of today in outstanding uh, debt. They have about a billion and a half on, on the cash uh, on balance sheet and they have about a $1.8 billion um, credit uh, facility that they can draw on if they need to. I think that they are very, very uh, secure from a debt perspective, I'm not concerned at all. Uh, from a competitive ranking, I'm kind of gonna wrap things up here with the, you know, what is this company if you've never heard of them? Just take a quick look through a few of these tables here of their, the areas that they are in and their competition and in virtually every the sandbox that they play in, they are number one or number two uh, as far as a market share, market leader. Uh, so I mean, that just goes to show, even though they might be a company that sort of operates in the background for much of the public, they are a big, huge player out there. Um, you know, they are a proven company. Uh, one of the reasons I, you know, they, they go back a long ways and they've shown that they can execute. I really like the focus that they've shifted logically into uh, you know the, the new age that we're going into now. They've got you know good solid financials. Um, and then when you take all that and you look at the recent price dip, you look at those metrics, uh, I think that this offers an opportunity for the purpose of our stock battle today, Brandon, uh, I'm picking um, Thomson Reuters as my pick. Hats off, hats <laughs> off to you. I, you know, geez, I didn't know we were going that in depth for this video. I thought we were trying to keep it short, but I, I, I'm gonna, in the red the white flag already that was um very yeah. very <laughs> thorough and well very very much enjoyed listening to your thoughts there uh oh, thanks, Reuters, yeah tons of Reuters is a company honestly that i've just watched for so long and i've never understood the it, the nuances of the company i i found it like difficult to understand for some reason 
to the mm -hmm. point where I've never, you know, pulled the trigger. But what you're mm -hmm. talking about there, very, very hard to argue with. And I think the viewers would be very, very pleased to hear that. I, it, it is very exciting. And geez, I don't want to like, you know, shoot uh, I really, myself I, in the foot, but yeah. I really that, that appreciate that. Yeah. If, if the viewers just want to go ahead and vote for TRI now, just feel free to do so. But in fairness, just do it. You, Brad, you got why don't you talk about your Canadian company and then everybody can just make up their decision at the end of the day. <laughs> You got my vote there, Dad, and in my mine is in a very similar field. It's one that we have talked about multiple times on the channel, and I know I cover the same stocks over and over again, but hey, I'm starting to see an opportunity here. Hey, everybody, it's Brandon here. I'd like to interrupt today's episode very briefly to remind you that if you're looking for more training in the Canadian stock market, don't hesitate to check out our Investing Academy. You can join our private membership group and get access to our top stock picks, trade calls, portfolio insights, and a variety of tools that are helping our members all across the country better their own investing journeys. All it takes is one great stock idea or tip, and that alone can cover years and years of your subscription to our membership group. If you're looking for some additional video training to broaden your knowledge and expand your understanding of the stock market in Canada, we do of course offer a fully video online training program where you can learn from the comfort of your home amongst a variety of students across the country. Both of these products can be found at www.theinvestingacademy.ca where you can sign up for them online or schedule a call with us to learn more. Now back to our scheduled episode. It is the company Brookfield Asset Management, ticker BAM.A.TO. And this is a stock that's today trading for $67.20 Canadian. Shares are down approximately 14 cent, uh, percent, excuse me. So very similar to the Thomson Reuters position. This is a stock that I will continuously add to throughout the years. And it's more about finding opportune times to buy into this company, if you ask me. When you look back at the history of Brookfield Asset Management, this stock has outpaced the TSX, so its native market, by 300% over the past decade. It has been a compounder of about 20% annually. Now, of course, that is the past, but hey, with the stop dropping, with the stop dropping a little bit, it does have me a little bit more interested in just kind of nibbling, nibbling, nibbling as we go. And it's so common that on the channel, you know, we get questions from viewers saying, geez. Like I, it's always Apple stock that this happens with. It's like Apple's such a good company, but it's always trading at such a high price. Like when can I buy this? People have been saying that for years and years and years and these great companies just power on. And funny enough, if you would have just bought a year ago or two years ago, you'd be very, very happy with your performance. Brookfield is obviously not a tech company and very, very different than Apple, but I put it in that same tier, that same quality, as well as that being here in the Canadian market where it's more about finding times to add and with the shares down 14%, it is back on my radar. This is actually one of my biggest positions here in the Canadian market. I really like what you talked about with Thompson Reuters, Dad, that, yeah, they're Canadian-based, but they have so much international exposure. Huge business down in the States, business all across the globe. Well, with Brookfield Asset Management, that's actually one of the key reasons why I like this stock as well. They are not reliant on one single market. We see assets, and in many cases, these are real estate assets or properties that they own across the globe, infrastructure, 100 billion, over 100 billion in assets in Europe, 80 billion in the Asia Pacific region, 45 billion in South America. And one of the questions that we get from you guys is like, what are these Canadian stocks that we can buy if we focus on the Canadian market, but they don't pin us down, they don't tie us to the Canadian market, well, these that we're talking about today, I think are two very, very good examples of that, where you're getting this huge international exposure. Of course, with Brookfield, you're actually getting a lot of diversity within the company as well. 
obviously real estate, obviously infrastructure, but they're also huge in renewable power, private equity, just for example. You mentioned their debt with Thompson Reuters and yeah, you said it's not an issue. One of the questions that I get often is, well, is debt an issue with Brookfield Asset Management? And if you do take a look on the balance sheet, this company does carry a lot of debt just based on the nature of this company. However, there's a very big difference to me between good debt and bad debt. And just because of the way this company operates, going out and buying properties, going out and buying infrastructure across the globe, yes, those assets are very capital intensive. And hey, maybe they are subject to rates increasing. Absolutely, that is a possibility on the table. But one of the things that I think sets this business aside is that they are buying high quality infrastructure and high quality assets. These assets appreciate over time. And it's in a sense, I think, able to leverage the debt and leverage these low interest rates. Yeah, interest rates may go up, but in general, if they go up a couple of percentage points, a couple of ticks over the next year, we are still in a very low rate environment. And in many cases, the appreciation of these assets and the buildings that they own all across the globe, they're in many pay, in many regards outpacing that. And actually that brings down the real cost for this company. On top of that, one thing I've touched on the channel so many times about Brookfield Asset Management is I put such a high standard on their leadership. Like that is so, so critical to me. And this company as well has an amazing history. You know, you look to some of the most successful companies today, the largest ones that we have mainly being down in the US, the Apples, the Microsofts, the Amazons, these companies are as successful as they are, obviously because they have a great product, obviously because they serve a very important area of the market, but they all have great leadership. They have people that know how to run a business. They know how to handle through different market environments. These companies are not um, you know, startup companies. They've been around for hundreds of years, maybe not hundreds for all of them. Nevertheless, they've been around for long times in periods where rates have gone up, rates have gone down. I don't see that being an issue. And Bruce Flatt is one of the CEOs that I very much respect. They do run a very, very strong ship. And one thing that I love is that they are a very long-term focused business. They're not worried about their quarter by quarter results. They're not worried about keeping shareholders happy today or tomorrow. When you actually listen to these you know, CEOs or executives speak, they are always thinking 50, 100 years plus. Like he literally will go on camera and say many times, when I buy an asset, I'm thinking 100 years down the road whether that's a project in India, whether that's a project in Asia, it's this long-term focus that I believe has provided Brookfield. It has made them this resilient and sustainable company. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. This is a stock that because it has been dipping down, again, it is on my radar. PE is significantly higher than yours, uh, trading at 24, which is fair. It's not as low as I'd love. I'd love to see that come down. But again, you are paying for the quality with a company like Brookfield. And just given the shakiness that we have been seeing, and I'm sure that you've been kind of keeping along with some of the earnings that have come out thus far. I am being more selective, as I say time and time again on the channel with the companies I look at and resorting to quality, leaning back to quality is kind of the way that I want to play it. Again, I wish I had some you know, new exciting stocks to talk about. And I do try to bring as many new exciting stocks on the channel. But when I look at the stocks that I'm monitoring, as the shares come down 14%, it just goes higher and higher up on my radar. And we just want to be pointing you guys in the best direction. And if you don't have a position in Brookfield or maybe you're looking to add, to me, it's just one that I think is, I don't like using the term no brainer, but um, you kind of get what I'm saying. But that is the stock Brookfield trading for $67.20 Canadian per share. Well, there you go. The there you go. Been, yeah, uh, no good. I, well, as we've spoken about on the channel before, Brandon, just so I can chime in. Uh, I, I mean, I love Brookfield. That's a company that, like you said, I think it, I think when we did recently our 
we each picked five stocks to buy for a lifetime. I'm pretty sure Brookfield was one of those ones that you picked on there. And it makes so much sense. So yeah, different companies here, but similarities, two really, really strong Canadian companies. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, we'll see what where the viewers come in on this one. And one is maybe newer, the TRI, the Thompson Reuters, maybe a newer name for some. Brookfield, most people who are investors have heard of it. So uh, where do we fall? Good presentation. And that's where, you guys, and that's where you guys come in leave a comment down below with your picks again we tally them up and yeah we will be keeping track of this to see how they do over the course of a year or a one year time frame if you guys did enjoy today's video do leave a big thumbs up on the video if you enjoyed our presentation if you enjoyed either of these stocks if you own them if you're curious let us know down in the comment section below like you said they're two high quality names and i think it's very hard to go wrong with either if you are guys if you guys are not already subscribed to the channel do subscribe hit that subscribe button make sure you hit the bell for notifications as well because we post this video probably once or twice a month it really depends on um i guess how we're feeling to be honest dad but yeah <laughs> we, we have really <laughs> yeah and but there are a ton of other videos ton of other content to go back and watch if you are new to our channel if you're a new investor here in 2022 hit that subscribe button as always we do have our investing academy down below so if you are looking for courses and training in the stock market we work hand in hand with students all across the country. We have training programs all in the form of videos. Very, very fun, very easy to consume. You can chat with our community, meet the students. We have different programs for different uh, different strokes for different folks, as they yeah. say. But um, that'll be that first link down below. You think we wrap it up there? I think we wrap it up. Enjoyed it, Brandon. I always love these. I wish we could do these every week, but yeah, I mean, other things gets in the way and we do other things as well, but uh, always enjoy these battles and I love hearing the comments from the viewers and uh, to see who owns these companies now. And if you do own Thompson Reuters, I'd like to know since when, how many years have you owned it? Because uh, mm -hmm. probably if you own it, you've owned it for a little while, it'd be my guess. And maybe our next battle will focus in on the US market because we did make a very purposeful decision to focus on the Canadian market because we know you guys are always looking for good Canadian stocks. But uh, there are some opportunities, in my opinion, actually some better ones down south. But hey, that could be the next video. All right, well, let's wrap it up, awesome. Brandon. Uh, awesome, Sunday guys. football. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, thank you guys all for watching. I uh, appreciate you guys sticking through to the end. Again, drop a thumbs up if you haven't, but we'll see you in the next video.